happy picking bones, everyone. And I wish this could be a full-length episode, but i got to go to work. But uh, I'm here with a familiar voice on the podcast, but not a familiar name because we just call him John. John is uh, on his way back from Colorado where uh, he did a OTC elk hunt. Um, first, first reactions, John. Um, have some way to get deeper into the backcountry. I think that was my first impressions. Yeah. So you're not rubbing elbows with everybody at every trailhead. It wasn't terrible, but I think everyone had a, some way to get way back in there. Um, I think my plan next year is bring my uh, enduro bike. Get oh back in yeah, there. that's a good idea. Yeah. So it, so was it kind of like you know like a satellite thing in a way where it's like there's this probably five mile ring around like the deepest nastiest elk country and in that five mile band or ring around it is just like other hunters everywhere yeah for sure you could definitely tell that come and the elk there are so conditioned like all the sign i was seeing was a month and a half old mm. so you could tell come july they picked up and they headed deep deep into the country that's really interesting so they've been they've been conditioned to like that's just their normal yearly migration now is oh it's, it's hunting season it's time you know we need to get out of here two weeks well and they early. move they move into the parks and into the town oh, okay yeah. so uh, I, was, I was sitting up there beating my head against pine trees and my relatives are sending me pictures from like estes park they're like there's a <laughs> what are you doing hunting out there a, there's a six by six in front of the coffee shop <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's brutal well you know it's a good like it's a good reminder that to hear these stories though because I think a lot of people, and this isn't what you did, but I think a lot of people who don't have themselves maybe physically right, maybe uh, planning-wise, they're like, man, I'm just so busy with work. I don't have time to, to like really plan out a hunt. I'm just going to go to one of those OTC units, and, and I'll figure it out when I get there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, if you want to make it work in an OTC unit, you got to do like, twice as much planning and twice as much physical preparation because you're going to have to like go way in there and like in your case you're hunting by yourself so Mm. so a pack out was going to be a monster well that's that's a consideration too is like there's spots i came to where i was like if a bull presented itself right now i can't shoot it because i wouldn't be able to get it out yeah uh because like there are times where when you when you're looking at the topo map and you just see those lines stacked on top of each other and yeah. you're like and then you get there like yep that's uh, a cliff <laughs> and you know if you arrow a bull he's going straight down yep um and and it was being warm as it was i don't mm-hmm. mind a miserable pack out but like as warm as it was i was gonna lose like the the bull was gonna rot by the time i got to it yeah um, so that was definitely a factor and water too. I mean, you're going to be sweating a ton. You're going to have to be stopping for water mm. if you can find some, right? Yeah. Which was surprisingly sparse. Um, I, uh, I went light on water and I have a, uh, MSR, uh, filter mm-hmm. and, uh, just plan on like refilling. Cause that's what I did when I was hunting up in Alaska. Uh, we mm-hmm. just 
there's streams everywhere yeah and you'd fill up whenever you needed it but i was like i never i don't think i ever ran across a running stream really yeah. so, so what'd you do for water then you just had to i have pack a it in every yeah day? i just brought my five liter okay. um reservoir and that's that's uh those are some good little t- tidbits in there for people that are you know thinking thinking they want yeah the, want little, to the, the little blue lines on the map don't always mean running water <laughs> <laughs> intermittent stream yeah yeah and as dry as it's been these last few years it's uh um unless you're in new england <laughs> it's rain rain non-stop this this summer mm-hmm. but but uh you know these last few years the midwest west have been quite dry and uh you can't just you can't just bank on that and especially you know i think the other thing people forget about when you're doing these backcountry hunts is like it's a backcountry parking lot to get to first of all so it's not like you can just plan on going and getting water from the convenience store every day like you need to have everything you're going to need by the time you get to that that parking spot and then go set up base camp and all that yeah but so like um break it down like what were what were let's end on a positive note what were your like two or three of your lowest lows (laughs) on on uh this hunt um i think the immediate one that I where I was at, there was a real bad blowdown a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and moving through there, like you can't see it on imagery, mm. it doesn't show up. But moving through there is like doing a steeplechase, and you're just <laughs> you're literally like at some points climbing over deadfall. Yeah, and moving quietly is out of the question. Yeah, you're just you're just getting there. Yeah, and then. Um, and so just like I was like the first day I said I was like well I'm gonna move a mile in before I like start hunting yeah. and I'm like I kept looking at GPS and it's like it's like point three, point four. <laughs> I was like <laughs> are you kidding me and uh yeah the going was so slow and then and then yeah just seeing uh and then moving from a spot that was like um not really good elk country into what like you would picture this absolute perfect elk country mm-hmm. um a guy at the sporting goods store told me he's like look for fall colors okay um that's he's like look for that's changing leaves um and so i found a spot where that was happening and then i'm like so all motivated going in and just yep. just nothing not even a sign other than um Stock, uh, end up stalking beef cattle. <laughs> thinking, <laughs> Some thinking, cows in thinking there. I was stalking elk. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's got to be a gut punch there for sure. Yeah. Well, then you, you were telling me earlier, too, like you went into a place like that that's just like, oh, this is the spot. And oh, you, yeah. And then you heard some guys talking or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like this perfect elk meadow. And I was like, just kind of, I was like, I'll sit here. You know, like, it's right around that golden hour. And I was like, I'll sit here and ease my way through here, be real quiet. It wasn't too bad on deadfall. And I just hear people yakking <laughs> down the valley. And I was like, well, this hunt's over. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 brutal, brutal, brutal. But, again, part of the learning experience, you know, knowing, knowing like, just how much, you know, pressure, pressure factors into hunting success everywhere. You know, there's – I've, I've talked many times on here about how one of my biggest hunting mentors 
was a hunting podcast by Mark Kenyon Wired to Hunt. And Mark is is uh, not that I you know obviously he's been on the show before, so I know him a little bit, but but uh, not that he knew he was helping me at the time, you know, it's just, that was a resource I could tap into. And because he hunts in such a highly pressured state like Michigan, I was, I was using his strategies as best as I could understand them in a state that isn't near as high a pressure. And it was keeping me out of the game here. Whereas if I'd gone over to Michigan, yeah, that's exactly what I needed to do. But, um, the point being you got to respond to the kind of pressure that exists where you're at. So if you had been doing what you were doing down in Arizona, you know, now you're, now you're in a totally different situation where, yeah, the animals are way less pressured, way more opportunities, maybe greater numbers. Uh, and, uh, it w it would have been a, uh, a, a probably a, an easier hunt, but here again, it's like that six mile band that, if you're in there, it's just going to be sparse yeah. opportunities. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like when you hurt cattle, they have that like bump zone Yeah, that they, they know they just stay in their comfort zone and they're not, they're not definitely not dumb. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to say it. They're just like, they have their comfort zone for how they can be. Where, where cattle might be, it might be five feet. There's five miles. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and again, you know, you could put into that too, like you could be really disciplined with your scent control, but because there's so many other hunters in the woods, if they aren't practicing good scent control, like that's affecting your hunt mm -hmm. somehow, you know. And I, I try to be pretty disciplined with sound, but I'm not a total scent control guy. <laughs> a I, scent control tweaker where you're yeah. just like. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lose my mind over You're it. You're twitching every time you yeah. you sweat cuz I, I I hunt the you hunt the wind anyway. So, um and where I was at, like mule deer won't smell me. Yeah. So I was like I was like I was able to get a couple practice stocks in on mule deer. That's cool. And uh especially one where I just see I just saw hooves and ears and so I wasn't really sure what I was creeping in on and then uh, two mule deer does presented themselves like right at 30 yards. I was oh, like, man. I was like, this is heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, that's brutal. But still good, still, still good experience. All right, so what are, you know, two or three of the, the highest highs from the trip? Um, Definitely that that little practice stock I got in was cool. Um, those two mule deer having no idea I was there creeping through. Mm -hmm. And that was literally on not – to give too much away, but literally on the Continental Divide, which I thought was oh, cool. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and um, the the personal interactions I had the whole time I was out there mm -hmm. were, were so good. Like, I had nothing but positive interaction with, between other hunters and uh, Cara Parks and Wildlife. They are, like, super professional. Yeah. Um, very helpful when they can. Mm -hmm. um, they... I went in there when I first got into town. I was like, hey, first time hunting the area, which I recommend everyone doing. Just either call or go in and just say, hey, am, am I breaking the law? And like, yeah. tell them your plan. And they were like, yeah, yeah. They're like, but we'll, uh, we recommend you go here. They don't have too much information on elk just because you don't check elk there. Yeah. The only thing they check is bear and moose. Okay. So they're like, we ask the bear and moose hunters like where, if they're seeing elk. 
And so they'll give you a little information off that. Mm-hmm. And then, like I was telling you, this uh, two Michigander buddies I met yeah. um, uh, just came up to my camp. And they're like, hey, how's it going? And uh, I wasn't talking to them more than 30 seconds. And they're like, hey, take my number. If you kill something, we'll come help you pack it out. That's awesome. Which I was like, man. that's the coolest thing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's that's gold right there. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. So good shout out to those guys. Yeah, for being, shout out to uh, uh, Justin and Dakota. Yeah. yeah, they're cool guys. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, you know, if you're listening to this, do the same. Pay it forward. You know, when you're yeah. when you have those opportunities. To yeah, and then they came back. Help. They came back after dark and uh, cooked me some uh, some Lake Michigan salmon. Oh man, <laughs> that's that's living there. Yeah. That's that's a good consolation for uh for elk meat but so a couple really big highs on that trip and uh definitely some you're gonna gonna go back you're gonna do it again yeah oh yeah i was like i went from being frustrated and like uh like everyone does at some point you start thinking about taking up a new hobby and then and then on my way down i was just planning how i could have done it better and if i'd have like I said, if I'd have had my uh, my dirt bike or, or an e-bike, those are mm-hmm. huge out there now. Those oh, really? A lot of people were cruising on those? Yeah, e-bikes. I think the guys that really kill it in the National Forest are horseback. Okay. Um, but so I, I had my trailer that's out front here now. And yeah. um, that limited me a little bit because some, some of the forest roads get a little, uh, a little washed out. Mm-hmm. And... I was going to bottom out with that thing. So I think next year, maybe a hot tent and uh yeah, there you go. And a dirt bike. I think I'll get way back, way further back into the country. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great reflection there to how to, how to plan for, you know, a, you know, more and better opportunities going forward. Especially and, with the, the hot tents now that are like stove and tent combined. You're at like 10 yeah. pounds. Yep. Yeah, they're silly. Yeah, yeah, you can't beat that. That's for sure. So, man, what a what a great like little you know first person explanation for for what to expect out there, and definitely something you can learn from. And look forward to seeing the grip and grins that come out of it in the, in the years to come. And and maybe you'll have a mule deer tag uh, in the future too. And you got a good spot. Sounds like you go for that. And then you're also telling me like you saw some good some good antelope spots while you're out there too. And so the point being there that even going on some of those difficult hunts, you can pick up Intel that helps you uh, build on that in the future and have opportunities with other species. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I chalk it up to a, it definitely wasn't lost. It was just a real expensive scouting trip. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's right. Well, that, that, that's going to do it here for this episode. I want to thank John for meeting me up really early this morning for uh, breakfast before uh, going to work. And uh, just remember this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is uh, really a leader in my opinion and uh, in a lot of other people's opinions uh, in the uh, hunting technology world and especially in the mapping world. And uh, if you're a whitetail hunter, such as myself, we got whitetail seasons that are open over much of the country now, but, all the rest of them will be opened up on Sunday, I believe, which is the 1st of October. <clears throat> You're going to want to have Spartan Forge in your pocket for the deer behavior prediction. You can get a subscription, uh, a yearly subscription for $39.99, or I believe a monthly is either $7.99. I really need to look this up, $7.99 or $8.99. I'm going to have Bill on the podcast tonight, though, so we'll get it squared away with him. But uh, um, just uh, uh, 
tremendous tool to have in your pocket there. So big thanks to Spartan Forge for presenting this podcast. And then also, uh, if you want to do a hunt like John did, uh, you need to talk to Alex from East to West Hunts. He can help you uh, plan that hunt and uh, talk to, help you talk to the right people, get the information you need, and uh, have all the gear you need have some places to fill up your uh, your water bottle if you need uh, he's got he's got all that information to help you out with that and help you navigate the, the challenging tag application uh, laws and and uh, all the rules that go in with that and then um, don't forget about uh, old barn taxidermy you shoot something really cool you're going to want to have it memorialized in a mount forever get it done the right way nothing's worse than bad taxidermy right john yeah <laughs> see uh some like uh you know bulging eye cross-eyed you know mount that's that's uh the the hide is kind of peeled away from the base of the antlers and uh, yeah it's just rough don't get it that way get it done the right way go to old barn taxidermy find a link for them in the show notes and uh you will be so glad that you did it the right way by going to them and i also want to give a, a thank you to uh, the coffee cup cafe where we're recording this uh podcast today here in uh, Soli, iowa and uh, just uh, great food and super, super good to us uh, for the service and everything. So give them a check when uh, you're passing through sometime on 80. Um, but thanks again, John, for coming, man. This yeah, was, thanks for having this me. This was awesome. Good to see you. It's been 15 years. Yeah. Too long. And uh, hopefully we got some hunts together in the future. We need to, we need to talk through those. And uh, if our buddy uh, James is listening in, uh, we need to have you join us and Maybe yeah. Andrew'd like to join us too sometime. That'd yeah, be really headed cool. to the uh, the old stomping grounds after we leave here. So that's right. That's right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Till next time, take care. Take someone hunting. Mm-hmm.